kind of hard to follow with that one. Anyway, if uh, all of you would stand with me and turn to Psalms 121. Good morning. Good afternoon, then. Is it good afternoon? I like good morning. Sounds better. But anyway. If you have it, say amen. There we go. Psalms 121, a song from pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you, beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. Amen. You may be seated.
Amen. See, the scripture that we just saw read in that dance says that God is our help in trouble, that He will rescue us. He will not let your foot slip. He will keep you from all harm. And it says that the God who watches over Israel, and another scripture says He neither slumbers nor sleeps. He's always watching. He's always ready. He's always there to help. Now, how does that work out for us in everyday life I want to read a scripture from the New Testament that seems to show that all that is a bunch of baloney. I'm going to, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 8, verse 22. This is going to the New Testament. One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake, a squall as a storm, so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith, he asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the waters, and they obey him. See, we have promises that God's going to help us, that when we call out to him, he's going to answer us. But a few weeks ago, Pastor George preached a sermon that will that will mess up your theology and maybe change the way you think because just because you call on the name of the Lord, just because you've got Jesus in you, doesn't mean that you signed up into a boat that's just going to float along and everything's just going to go right, everything's going to be wonderful. You, when you became a Christian, you didn't fall into a butter tub and now you're just sliding through life. Everything's wonderful. And every time you go through a problem, oh, God forgot about me. See, this was a real story that happened with the disciples. Jesus told them, we're going to the other side. See, that should have been enough. That's the promise of God. He said, get in the boat. But if you live long enough, maybe you know that God could promise you. And when you start to live it out, things start to go wrong at times. Sometimes in your boat, which represents your life, the waters and the waves start to come in. Sometimes you might get an eviction notice. Sometimes you might get bad news from the doctor. Maybe you just found out you were laid off after God promised you that you're going to have financial blessing and it's all still God. It doesn't mean that He forgot about you. What does it say? That as they were crying out to God, Jesus was asleep. This is an audience participation question here. Why do you think he was asleep? 
Why did he fall asleep? Huh? No? He fell asleep because he was tired. Duh! Why? Because when Jesus was on earth, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. How many of you have ever felt that you were going through a hard time and you cried out to God and it felt like he was asleep? A bunch of you are being honest, but I, I believe everyone here that you've gone through things and you cried out to God and it seems like he was sleeping, that he was far away. But you see, there was a purpose because in reality, ever since Jesus went up to heaven, he never slept again. You know where Jesus is now? He's not rocking in a boat. He's up in heaven at the right hand of the Father, and day and night he's watching over you. Day and night he's praying for you. He's bringing you through. But yet there are still times when God still seems far away. It's, I'll tell you personally, sometimes I think he forgot my address. He forgot, he forgot how to find me. But there in my life, there has been purpose in the times when God seemed to turn a deaf ear because I've learned how to trust Him. I've learned how to take Him at His word, even when I see nothing. Just a few weeks after I got saved, I started reading all the promises of God. I said, from now on, life is going to be great. It's a bowl of cherries. Well, not too long afterwards, it was a bowl of cherries, and I was living in the pits. Because I got a the knock on the door came with an eviction notice saying, you're getting thrown out of your apartment. And I started to doubt God. And I started to cry out and nothing happened. And let me tell you what sealed my faith, why I'm serving God today. Because a few weeks after that, I got a call from my mother who was on welfare, never had a dime, worked off the books as a bartender on the side, and I owed about $1,200. Now, today, that's nothing. That's pig feed, right? You could go out to eat for $1,200. But back 20 years ago, $1,200 was like a million dollars. And one day, I got a call from my mother and said, I just came into money, and I'm sending you a $1,000. And from that moment, I knew that God is not asleep. God is real, that he's a God that answers prayer. Because God uses the impossible. God purposely will put you in an impossible situation. I'm telling you, you know why I'm telling you that? Because some of you send me emails saying, well, I prayed. I've been praying for two weeks and nothing happened. So 
I guess this God stuff is not real. Let me tell you now so, so you don't get fooled, so nobody tricked you. God will put you in a box where there's nothing that you can do. He'll put you in a boat and the wind starts blowing. The storm starts coming. The wind and the waves and it starts overtaking you. See, these disciples, they were experienced fishermen and even they were afraid. They knew they were in trouble. Why did God allow them to get in this situation? Because that's the only time that He'll prove to you that surely He is God. He's always going to show up. He's a promise-keeping God. He told the disciples, we're going to the other side, and that's got to be enough. I don't care what I see. I don't care what's happening. The storm could come. The enemy can mess with my head, my finances. But I'm standing on the Word of God. But do you know that Jesus got upset with the disciples? He said, where is your faith? And you know why he said that? Because as soon as that storm started coming, you know what their confession of their mouth was? It wasn't, we believe God, he's going to bring us to a, the other side. Their confession was, we're dead, we're going to drown. Watch the confession of your mouth. I'm telling you right now, the Bible says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Never come into agreement with the enemy. Never come into agreement with the negative, which is something we're all learning. But you never speak that over yourself. You never say, I'll never have any money. I'll never get healed of this disease. You speak life over your circumstances. The Bible says, God said, decree a thing and I will establish it. See, that's a big part of prayer. You speak over your finances. Sometimes prayer is fighting. Sometimes it's contending. See, sometimes in prayer I love to lay down in the floor put on my headphones and rest in the Lord and get into the glory realm. And I just feel the presence of God washing over me. And there are days and times when I go to God in prayer and I say, God, you promised. You said that you would heal every disease. There are times you've got to wrestle with God. Remind Him of the, of the Word. I, I remember we had two daughters, and when they were kids, sometimes we'd promise them something. Oh, tomorrow we're going to have McDonald's. Next day, no McDonald's. Guess what they say? But you promised. That's how you've got to pray. You go to God, and you rise up. And you remind him of your word. You don't say, I'm going to drown. You're not going to say, I'll never get a job. 
You stand on the promise of God. You contend. You proclaim. That's what Christianity is. That's what prayer is. See, most of my prayers are speaking to God. But sometimes, sometimes I get right in the devil's face. And I say, devil, you're not going to steal from me one more day? You're not going to mess with my head? Sometimes you... Take authority over hell. I'm talking about prayer. See, God does nothing except an answer to prayer. And sometimes in the Bible, those who pray, they got bold. You don't just keep taking shots in life. You rise up. You contend. People tell me, well, I I just pray for two minutes a day. That's all I need. you got to get in God's face. You say, God, you said in your word you hate divorce. And look, my marriage is falling apart. God, come down and change my marriage. We're fighters. See, the Bible, the Christians are called an army. We're not just passive people blown by the wind like this boat going up and down with the waves. That's not you. You stand up because what is, you know what Jesus did? He looked into the storm and he rebuked the storm and it stopped. The rain stopped falling. The wind stopped blowing. And you know what they said? Who is this? Who is this man that even the wind and the rain and the clouds obey him? You've got a God who's a creator, and he doesn't follow the laws of nature. He can come into your situation where everything's hopeless, and he'll change things. He can change hearts. He can release finances where there are none. He can bring healing. When the doctor says the, the C word, you don't begin to fear. You rise up and you say, I'm not receiving that diagnosis in Jesus' name. The Bible says that God is my healer and I claim healing in Jesus' name. You've got a God who can supernaturally change things, it's time to pray. It's time to rise up. You have authority over your situation. You have authority in your community, in this nation. You don't like what's going on in the nation? You rise up and you begin to pray and decree and declare. See, I'm tired of talking. So I... I asked some people to come and testify today about just what I'm saying. I'm going to ask you to come. We have some saints here, and saints are not statues in the Catholic Church. Saints are people who have been cleansed and sanctified by God, indwelt the the Holy Spirit living in them, and they're going to testify of how they were in that boat, they were in that storm, and they cried out to God, and He showed up. (laughs) 
Good afternoon, church. I am here today to share my testimony and to tell you that I'm healed today because of the grace of God. This is my life story. I am a mother of three children. I have a 20-year-old daughter, 19-year-old daughter, and a 13-year-old son. My 19-year-old daughter, when she started high school, she went through some big changes. She was suffering from depression. She was refusing to go to school. She was AWOL for three days. I started getting help from social workers, clinics. Um, my daughter was trying to commit suicide, being hospitalized seven times. The last time that she was hospitalized, my daughter ended up in the intensive care unit. Her blood pressure was like a newborn baby. Not only I was dealing with my daughter's situation, but also attending my autistic son, which at times it could be very difficult. There were so many days I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat. I ended up losing 52 pounds. I went through this situation for two years, dealing with so much. But I remained faithful to God because I knew inside my heart that he would come through. I was always praying, talking to God while I was going through my difficult times. I remember feeling that I was losing my mind. One particular night in my room, I got on my knees and crying. I started to pray and to talk to God. But this time, I felt that it was coming from deep inside my heart. All the pain, all the suffering that I was feeling. And I said to God, Lord, you more than anyone knows what I'm going through. I feel that I cannot take this anymore. Please help me. And I continued to cry. I felt the voice of God telling me, step to the side and let me handle it. And I obeyed God, and I did what he asked me to do. Within two weeks, God made some changes, and we was able to have peace in our life again. My daughter hasn't been hospitalized for two and a half years now. I want to say to all those parents who have youngsters who are going through difficult times with your kids, there is hope in God. Claim to God that he, he will be there for you. He will not abandon you. Trust him. I am thankful. I thank the Lord every single day of my life. No matter what your situation is, pray. Talk to him. Trust him. God bless. Good afternoon. God bless you. My name is Irene Phillips. And um, 2005, towards the end, I was diagnosed with RA. That's rheumatoid arthritis. Um, by 2006, it was a real difficult time. I was skinny like a toothpick. Um, 
I'm just going to share what God has put on my heart. And basically, it was really hard. I couldn't walk. I had a cane. Um, I couldn't bend. I couldn't pull. I couldn't push. I couldn't do anything. These hands and these legs could not do it at all. Um, and me and my son, I would always stay active, and I would always tell my son, and this too shall pass. It's not always going to be like this. It is not going to always be like And if I could get nothing out, it would be, it's not always going to be like this. Um, years went by. That's 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008. I started seeing changes, and the changes only came. Only came because I was in the Word, because I was worshiping, because I listened to Radio Vision. Um, I'm Spanish, and Radio Vision was on. It was hot. Um, I had such an ear, rather, God gave me such an ear that I could hear him speaking so clearly, and it was a devastating time. And this is the last thing. I woke up this morning, the Lord said, show them this. I looked in the mirror in the bathroom. I had no arm. I had no meat. I was bones. And the Lord said, I'm going to get the glory. And all I could say was, thank you, Lord, because before, I didn't even mention this, before I got sick, I was working a city job, the best telecommunication agency, and I lost it. And then the Lord said, you're going to get, well, my heart felt like I heard you're going to get sick. I didn't understand it. After that day, it just went downhill. But I truly, truly believe that he is closer than a brother at such a time and that he is closer, closer to you and willing to teach you more than when you're well. I'm not saying it's beautiful to be sick. There are challenges, but he's closer, and I believe that today I stand here because of his grace, his mercy, his healing power, and because I would have never known him any other way if I didn't go through what I went through. God bless you. Hello. <laughs> um, when Pastor Gary asked me to speak, um, last week I went through something that God um, spoke to me about healing. And I was like, wow. I just want to share, my family has a generational curse, had, because God broke it through me, of rape and molestation, right? And what happened was God showed me, my aunt came from PR last week, and she went berserk in a hospital room. And the Lord told my cousin, which I haven't spoke to, my aunt and my cousin, they all split up. I don't like you, I don't like you, I don't like you. Brothers and sisters, cousins, because of this molestation and this rape, it goes into um, isolation, depression. Um, I don't like myself. And um, my cousin called me and said, Sarah, I need you. I said, who's this? He said, this is your cousin Angel, and my mom came from PR, and she went a little um, crazy in the hospital. And I said, okay. I was with my husband in my hand, and I said, I'll be there tomorrow. I can't get there today. When I went there, I haven't spoken to this aunt in like 12 years. Um, my aunt, when I was small, she used to speak um, things over me. She used to say, she's depressed. She has ADD. She has this, she has that. But I, God showed me in the hospital was because what she was feeling about herself, she was speaking it over her nephews and her nieces and her children. So when I went to the hospital, the doctor said, she has a tumor in her head. We could work with that. It's not cancerous. But she has a, a depression, an emotional scar that we're trying to get to. So... Um, 
the Lord showed me, not in a, I don't want to say in an egotistical way, he said, I spared you from that. And I was like, wow. He said, your mom has depression, her sister has depression, her brothers had depression, your grandmother had depression, your great-grandmother had depression because of this molestation and this rape. Your cousins have depression. But do you see, Sarah, that I spared you from that? And I just want to say, um, from rape and molestation, God gave me forgiveness. From codependency, he made me dependent on him. From no self-worth, he made me worthy. From no confidence, I am confident in him. I'm not there yet, but he's working. The healing is, I'm still in progress. <laughs> From loneliness, he gave me a family in Christ. From abandonment issue, he adopted me. From jealousy, because I used to be jealous to see families together and happy, he gave me joy. From lust, he gave me a marriage and a covenant. From unforgiveness, he gave me to forgive. From anger, he gave me love. From depression that I never had and I never will claim, he gave me a hope. From pain, I could pray for others for healing. Because I feel your pain. Because I came from pain. And from no love, he gave me the greatest love of all. His love. And from no family, oh my God, I got three kids. I'm <laughs> and um, I want to just read the scripture. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. I thank him. I can't wear that crown every day because sometimes these things cr creep up. But every day, the healing is getting better and better. And my self-worth, my family, who I am in him, not who I am, Sarah, but who I am in him is getting better and better. God bless you. I don't need this because I can't see. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jessica. Hello, Thank you, Jesus. I believe in miracles. I'm going to tell you about when I was 12 years old. Crack came out. <laughs> and my mother was hooked really bad. Day and night. That's all she did. She was pregnant. I knew God because I've always prayed, but... That was the time where day and night, all day, all I did was pray and weep and, and ask God, Lord, please take care of my baby. Let that baby come out in a crack bottle. Let that baby be healthy, God, please. All day, all I did was pray. Back my mother, I fought people. I, I threw people out. She would leave. I would clean our house. She'd come back. She cooked the crack. She smoked the crack. She, she was all cracked up. God bless her. I love her. So then she had my sister. My sister was born. It was, it was a girl. And she was healthy and beautiful and waited more than 
all three of my other mother's children. So I knew that God answered my prayer. But then a few weeks later, my mother ended up in the hospital because, you know, she was really sick. And when she came out, a few days later, she sat us in the kitchen table. But throughout my mother's pregnancy, when she was like six, seven, eight months, I would pray for that baby, and I had named the baby Eric. And I would sometimes refer to the baby as not only my baby, but I would refer to my baby brother named Eric. You know, that the baby is healthy, that the baby be born, that the baby don't die. And, um, you know, she gave birth, she had a girl, it wasn't a boy, <laughs> it was an Eric. But a few weeks later, she comes, she sits at the table, and she sits me and my brother, rest in peace, and she's in the middle, and, and she really was speaking towards me because she knew everything I went through at 12 years old and, you know, struggling with her and her addiction and, and the, the way I loved my sisters and how I took care of home. And she said, you know, I seen your daddy when I was in the hospital. And I didn't see my daddy for a while because, you know, he, he really didn't come around. And those nine months, he sure didn't come around. So I didn't know what was going on with, with that side of the family. And um, she sits me down. She said, you know, your stepmother had a baby. Um, she was in the hospital. You know, she had asthma. She almost died. The baby was sick. But she had a baby boy. And you know what she named them? She named them Jonathan Eric. No one knew that but my mother, because when I would talk to my mother, I would refer to the baby as Eric sometimes. So that was a very blessing, miracle, answered prayer. From that moment on, I knew that God was, was there. He heard me each and every time. And I said, Father God, I was only 12 years old. I said, no matter what I go through in life, and boy, do I go through things, and I've been through things, and that's just when I was 12 years old I'm telling you about. But I knew that my faith in him would never die. It would never die. Thank you. Now my sister and brother, they're really close. Both got different mothers and fathers, but they refer to each other as brother and sister. They're 24 years old, three weeks apart. My sister's going to acting school, and my brother's going to the U.S. Army. And that was, that was a blessing. This is a blessing. This is a miracle. Thank you. This morning... Um when Ephraim challenged us to, in worship, to think back and remember all that God had done, that just wrecked me. That wrecked me today. Because to remember everything that God has pulled me out of, I'm sure what you've remembered, what God has pulled you out of, is so humbling. Um, most of you know my testimony on a broad spectrum. Um, many of you know that I've come from a past of abuse. Um, I was severely abused by my adopted family um, and then put into foster care. And so when I got saved... The Lord, um, it was something I, I, I always wanted children, and, and so one of my deepest prayers was, Lord, let me never repeat what was done to me. Let me never abuse my children. And I, and I had my first baby, and 
I never felt, you know, that anger, never felt any of those things. I had my twins. It was like heaven on earth. I mean, it was challenging. I was young, but, you know, the Lord would give me grace each and every day. Um, And then one day at home, um, my oldest daughter, she was a year and a half old, she fell out of her playpen. And I was on the phone with a friend. And, you know, I got off the phone. I checked my child, and she was fine. So I was like, okay, you know, we monitored her. My husband checked her. Her aunt checked her, and everything was okay. Well, about four days later, um, I noticed as I was bathing her, she had kind of like this huge bubble coming out of the side of her head. And I I freaked out. I got her dressed. I took her to my husband's job, and I said, you know, we need to go to the hospital. And at that time, he was working um, at our previous church. And so we had our pastors pray over her, went to the hospital. The doctors asked me what had happened. Um, and I was really nervous because, I, you know, I didn't know what this thing was coming out of her head. So when the doctor said, how long ago did this happen, the spur-of-the-moment answer was, oh, it happened a week ago. So we get into the doctor's office, and they're, you know, we're getting her ready so the doctor can come back in to examine her. And it dawned on me, oh, wait a second, I was on the phone with my friend. That was Monday. It's Thursday. That was only like three, four days ago. So let me tell, you know, I'm thinking, let me give the doctor every ounce of information, you know, so he can better service her. Um, So he comes back in, and I said, you know what? It actually was like four days ago. He steps out of the room. I didn't really understand why. He comes back in. He says, I'm sorry, but I'm mandated by the state to call ACS on you. And I was just like, what? I was like, what do you mean? You know, like, what does that insinuate at the moment? I was just, you know. So I said, listen, you do what you have to do. Just make sure that my daughter's taken care of. Because at the moment, that was the most important thing. So what ended up happening was she had a uh, hairline fracture in her skull from the fall. She was put into ICU. She was only a year and a half old. We were really afraid. But, you know, the Lord, you know, the Lord healed her, and the, the swelling went down, and, every, and she was Okay. But what they were accusing me of now was beating my one-and-a-half-year-old baby so bad that I gave her this fracture in her skull. And I was sleeping in the hospital one night because they didn't want to release her into my custody because they had to have, you know, the ACS worker say that it was okay for her to come home because they had to come to my house at 3 o'clock in the morning and check my cupboards. And my husband stripped down the boys and said, check my children, we have nothing to hide. And I knew this was a a direct attack from Satan because if he couldn't repeat the mistake, if he couldn't repeat the generational curse, he was going to accuse me because that's what he does, right? Like that's his job. He's an accuser of the brethren. And I sat in the hospital one night and I fell asleep next to my daughter and I had this beautiful dream. And in the dream, I was standing in the middle of a forest. And all of a sudden, it was like the world was about to, like, turn. So I had to hold on to this tree, and I was grabbing on for this tree, and the world moved, and I, I could feel it. And then all of a sudden, the sun was right in the open space where I was in the forest. And so when I woke up in the morning, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I know your world feels like it's shaking. He said, but I'm going to turn everything around for my glory so that you can see the glory of the Son of God. And I said, okay, you know, Lord, okay, okay. But it was really hard because now we were involved in youth ministry in our church. And unfortunately, our church stepped us down from ministry when they found out this is what we were being accused of. They stepped me down from the worship team. They stepped us down from everything we were a part of. And we were devastated because we thought if anybody was going to be on our side, it would be our church. We would have that support at least, and we didn't. 
And I cried and I cried and I cried and I said, God, how could you allow this? And the ACS worker was so mean to me. I tell you, he looked at me at like, like so condescendingly, like I was this young mother who didn't know what I was doing. He really had it in for me to accuse me of this. They really were trying to take away my children. They were trying to find every reason. Well, at that time, I had been doing a lot of public speaking, and I was getting ready to speak at a foster care youth conference to share my testimony. Now, the woman who had invited me to come, she was also a Christian, and so she had no idea what was going on at that time. I was just crying out to the Lord every single day. Like, I, I cried myself to sleep every night. And so she calls me about a week later, and she says, Hey, listen, you know, I just wanted to make sure that you're still going to, you know, be speaking at this conference. And I said, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak. She's like, okay, so I just want to let you know who's on the lineup for, you know, that morning's, you know, um, speaking, the agenda. So I was like, okay. She's like, so-and-so and so-and-so. And she says, and the commissioner of all commissioners of ACS is going to be sitting on the panel with you that morning. And she was like, and I want you to know that he's a man of God and he's going to share his testimony. And I believe you're going to be so blessed. And I just started to weep on the phone. I was like, oh, my God. She's like, what's wrong? I said, oh, my God, you don't know what I'm going through right now. I was like, they're trying to accuse me of beating my baby. I'm like, I have the paper, too, still at home to give God the glory. And I said, you know, I, this, is, this is false. The enemy's trying to, you know, make this generational curse all over again. And she said, no, we're going to stand and we're going to fast and we're going to believe. And so I fasted and I prayed and that morning came and I gave my testimony first. Then the commissioner at that time of ACF came up. He shared his testimony with the young people. And there was a whole bunch of press standing over on the side because they wanted to get like a quote for the newspapers. And so I, I, I reached him backstage and I said, can I, can I talk to you for a minute? And he said, sure. He said, oh, you know, you blessed me so much. And, oh, it's such a wonderful thing to see God use you with these young people. And I said, well, I approach you not as the commissioner of ACS right now, but I approach you as my brother in Christ. And I said, this is the situation. And I broke it down for him. And he said, he just looked at me. He said, don't you worry about a thing. He said, don't you worry about a thing. He took, he took me to his assistant. He said, she's going to tell you what's going on. He said, and I want you to take care of her and make sure that this whole situation gets rectified. He gave me his card, and she stayed in connection with me. When the ACF came back, worker came back to my house that next week, and I showed him that card that I knew the commissioner of ACF, he looked at me like with fear in him, like how in the world. And what should have taken a whole entire 365 days to rectify ended up taking only two and a half months. And then they said, you know what, but for the next seven years, this is going to stay on your record. They said, so you need to make sure that nothing happens to your children. And at that time, I only had three. And after that happened, we had two more. So I was like, oh, Jesus, five children and nothing happened? But I tell you, in seven years, not one thing happened to my babies that would ever put me back in a position to have the enemy accuse me of doing something so horrible. And I tell you, the Lord got all the glory. And I tell you, it's a choice that we make to trust God. And I'm going to sing this call, song. It's called None But Jesus. I just learned it yesterday, so bear with me. But it speaks to the fact how there is no one but Jesus that can give us miracles like this. There is no one but Jesus that will cover us and make a way out of no way. So when you're feeling like I'm being accused of something or you're feeling like there's no way out of this, I tell you by the spirit of the living God, he will make a way where man cannot make a way for you. Amen. You could play the...
Check.
Amen. So we're going to close in prayer. So I'm going to ask quickly if those in the prayer team can come. Those in the worship team, don't come up here. We want you to stand down here. And on this side, I'm asking for the healing ministry. Because I'm believing that God wants to do miracles. He's a, he wants to do the impossible. If you need a healing in your body, or if you've got somebody at home, at work, I want you to come right over here to the healing team. God is going to do the impossible. He's, I don't care what kind of news you got, what diagnosis you got. God's about to change something. And everyone else, I'm going to ask you to stand. And I, I, if you're single, you can come on your own or with a friend. If you're here with your family, I want you to come up to one of these people with your family and you tell them what, what it is that you need. You need a miracle. You need God to change something in your marriage, in your life, in your finances, in your job. See, yesterday we went to do an outreach at this pagan yoga festival and we met all these witches and crazy people and we went up to them and said, do you need prayer? And every one of them, almost not everyone, but most of them said yes. When I go up to Christians in church and say, can I pray for you? They, oh no, I'm good. You never turn down an opportunity to come into agreement and cry out to God. So I'm going to ask you to come quickly. And we're just going to agree in prayer with you. Come up with your family. God is about to do a miracle. And if the ushers can also come up and help... To guide things along, those who are praying, I'm going to ask you to pray quickly, but effectively. Again, if you need a miracle, come up on this side. If you need a healing in your body, we're, going to, we're not going to keep you. We're going to pray quickly, but God's about to release something in your life. The God of the supernatural is about to break off something. He's about to change your situation.